Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress Podcast. I am super, super excited to welcome our next podcast guest to the show today, and it is Joel. Hi, Joel. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Julia. Thanks for having me on. It's my absolute pleasure, Joel. I always start my podcast with three really simple questions. Number one, where are you located? Number two, what time is it? And number three, what have you been up to this morning? Uh, well, I am in New Jersey. And um, you said, what was the second question? What, is, what time is it? What time is it? It is four uh, in the afternoon here. And uh, I've been up to quite a bit, <laughs> quite, okay. quite a bit. Uh, just prepping for the upcoming Nike camp season. I'm a national director for Nike sports camps. So just gearing up everybody, getting the parents ready, getting the kids ready across the country. Um, and we're about to get this thing going in, in about a week or so. Very exciting. And how do you start your day before you go into all of your work stuff? I'm sure you have probably a routine as well to like get going in the morning. How does that look like? Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I prefer to wake up around five. Um, if I wake up at five thirty, it's, it's, I get this, it's almost like sleeping in many times. Um, okay. But I like, enjoy getting up. I have my routine. I pray, you know, meditate for about 20 minutes or so just to kind of get my mind right. And I work out right after that. And I prefer to start my workout by at least by six after I have something quick to eat and uh, work out for about an hour, wake my son up and we work out together again. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I get to work after that point. Okay. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And when you do like prayers, meditation, do you do that um, just yourself or do you have kind of guided meditations or prayers that you like to follow? Just myself. It's myself. I, I, I wake up. Thank God for waking me up. You know what I mean? And I pray for efficiency each day. I pray for just different things that I'm hoping to have come about, uh, things that I'm working on, anything I may struggle with. Uh, clear my mind of it, clear my heart of it so I can just literally operate, no worries at all, and, and, and keep moving forward. How long have you been doing that? My whole life. I mean, literally, it, it's funny. I okay. say that. Uh, with full confidence, because I, I grew up under two pastors, you know, two preachers in the church. So, okay. you know, I came up knowing what, you know, knowing how to pray and, you know, things like that. And just kind of knowing what to ask for, knowing not to kind of take things on all on my own, but to pass some things off, you know, give it to God. I've been hearing that my whole life. But um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's been a lifetime of, of praying. I learned how to meditate later on in life as far as really just kind of being quiet within myself, just taking everything in, let my mind just wander off a little bit. Um, I enjoy doing that too, because it just relieves me of any burdens that I've been thinking about and just any mm. stress I have. It's a de-stressing time. So um, I learned that later on in my, in my 20s more so uh, as a pro athlete. And then it just, I carried into what I do now. Mm -hmm. And when you wake up at five o'clock in the morning, at what time do you go to sleep usually? I want to go to sleep <laughs> at 10, around 10, <laughs> by 10.30. Does it always happen? Absolutely not. Uh, but my preference is to get to bed around 10.30. So if I even get to sleep at 11, I'm, I'm fresh waking up at five. 
Wow, because I just had a, a sleep specialist on the show um, and we were actually talking about LeBron James and how yeah. he's been, um, you know, really talking about how important sleep is for him and that yeah. people kind of joke about when he's not on the field, on the basketball court, he actually mm -hmm. sleeps because he says that he sleeps about 12 hours per day. Um, yeah. So I was just kind of curious to hear when you're getting up so so early, um, how many yeah. hours of sleep you get in. Do you take naps then during the day? Because that's, you know, not that many hours of sleep for some right. people, I guess, six and six and a half hours. So I would say I, I've, I've mastered the cat nap, the cat nap. I'm not a fan of taking long naps at all. You know, I feel like I'm missing out on something if I sleep for two hours in the middle of the day or even an hour. So mm -hmm. if I if I need a nap, Or if I take a nap, rather, that means I really needed it. You know, I, I felt it, you know, either from a lack of sleep the night before or just from strenuous work the morning that, I, I you know, I, I've had. So I'll put 30 minutes on on my alarm and I lay down. I wake up fully refreshed. Uh, nice. I know it's hard for a lot of people to do that. But if I sleep too long, I wake up dragging in the afternoon. I, I don't want to take too long of a nap. So that's, that's me. Uh -huh. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I love that. So, Joel, tell us a little bit more about you. You already mentioned a couple of really cool things that you're doing, but I'd love maybe for you to start at the beginning. Like, where did your journey start? You know, how did you get to where you are today? Well, I mean, the beginning for me, it, it, it was hardships that kind of got me to where I am today. So, you know, growing up in, in North Philadelphia is where I'm from. I'm in New Jersey now, uh, but I grew up in Philadelphia my whole life and grew up in just unideal uh, conditions. I'll say that, you know, growing up, I grew up in an abandoned house, a condemned house, um, graffiti on the walls, you know, holes in the staircase, that type of situation. Uh, the house next door to us was abandoned, had a homeless guy that lived next door to us. Um, literally like half a door type situation, his front door. It was, it wasn't the best, but it was my life. And I didn't look at it strangely at the time uh because that's all i knew that's what i grew up in but growing up around conditions like that growing up around violence not within my home but in the neighborhood witnessing a shooting when i was young and running from that there was nobody else there things like that conditioned me for you know i'll be honest for hardships for disappointments to for perseverance and resilience so the fact that i come from that You know, now if I'm experiencing something in business or, you know, anything professionally, I can handle it. I have something to relate it to and, and to think back on like, okay, man, I came from that. This is nothing right now. Let me not trip out too much or at all mm -hmm. and, and, and move on from it. Let me pray and move. But, um, you know, it started with me with, with, with the hardships and, you know, beyond that, getting into sports, that was a savior for me because it kept me off the streets. It kept me from getting in trouble. And that just helped me transition into just developing from into a young man, into a man. And, um, you know, let me into professional basketball, which was, you know, my dream. That was my dream since I was a kid. I wanted to be like Michael Jordan, like everybody else wanted to be <laughs> in the nineties. And, um, and I, I, I wanted to walk like him, talk like him, everything. I, I wanted to be six, six. I wanted to be his height, you know, I kept going. I, I'm, I ended up being six, eight, but I'm like, I wow. want to be just like him. And so being, you know, being a pro was a dream of mine and things that I learned playing sports, I transitioned right into business into what I'm doing right now. And I really believe that that correlation is what allowed me to have success in what I'm doing now, as far mm -hmm. as, uh, 
and being a national director for Nike, being the CEO of Pro Level Training, you know, having our business grow around the country, all those things, I really believe it came from the hardships that I originally experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you became a professional athlete, you played basketball. Um, what made you decide to um, start pro athlete training? Well, I mean, so my, my company, you know, it was just, it was, it was natural, you know, to be honest with you. Um, I knew nothing better as far as a trade than basketball, right? So I've been doing it for over 20 years at that time. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to show somebody how to do something, if I'm going to provide a service in any way, which all businesses are as a service of some sort, I'm like, okay, it's going to have to be what I naturally have a knack for. And it's like, okay, showing people how to do things athletically. You know, I, I played basketball uh, more than any other sport, but I played other sports. I played football. I ran track as well. And I love track and field. So it's just, I knew what it took to be an athlete, period. So I wanted to show young athletes what it took to make it to a pro level of, that sport, which is why I call it the company Pro Level Training, just to give them a glimpse, a little preview of what it took to get there. And, you know, I, I just did it in a different way. Instead of just only training the skill uh, on the field or on the court, I did a ton of performance training, you know, battle rope training, you know, parachute sprints and, and kind of fused the two with the skill and, you know, um, caught the attention of Nike sports camps and some others and made some great partnerships and We expanded around the country. We're in about 16 states now, over close to 40 cities across America and Canada as well. So it just came from organic experience, to be honest. And, it's, you know, here we are now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you were talking about how how for you, for your own development and for where you are today, it is so it was so important for you to have to experience hardship and to go through difficult periods of time as well as you're training your athletes now how do you um, how do you train them that right do you still like do, do you try to integrate those kind of hurdles and for them for all these challenges in order to help them become to that level and also strengthen their mental toughness yeah it's all about simulation right so mm -hmm. everything that i do with an athlete i simulate a difficult experience not in every single thing that we do But after I show them how to do a certain thing, that's how I put them within. I put them in a distressed or a stressful situation to now test out that skill that I taught them. Right. That because if it's I tell athletes all the time, I personally don't care how you look when you're fresh, when you're in the beginning of a game. How do you look after 20 minutes in a game? That's the most important part, because every athlete, including your opponents, will look good in the beginning of a game, you know, mm -hmm. but it's. Once they begin to tire out, how do you look? You know, did you embrace the fatigue or you let that fatigue hit you and knock you down? Or did you fight back against the fatigue and still look fresh? So when I'm training different athletes, you know, I'm big on tapping into this more than anything else. More than the physical side, more than the, you know, the skill, I tap into the mindset. If you can have a strong mind, I, look, I know from personal experience, I can overcome a whole lot of physical feats. So... My whole thing is letting them know how to properly, how to persevere, you know, in the middle of a game, not in just in the beginning, in the middle and the end of a game to still appear fresh, to still work your absolute hardest and win in the end. Mm -hmm. And how do you, how do you persevere? I think that's a really powerful question, right? Because 
you know, and I, I love the athletic um, analogy because I, I consider myself an athlete as well. I love to train. Like I've tried a lot of different things. I played basketball in the 90s, oh. in the 90s and I was a big mm -hmm. Michael Jordan fan. <laughs> so oh, I can I totally it. relate love to that. It. And, you know, I'm from Germany originally. So Michael Jordan was huge in Germany and my dad mm -hmm. loved Michael Jordan. And we would like wake up in the middle of the night and watch Chicago Bulls like, the, like play awesome. and so, you know, I feel like it was really ingrained super early in my life as well. And and I, I do, you know, a lot of people actually, when I talk to them, you know, they they say to me, wow, like I really, you know, I can see the perseverance. I'm like, now I'm super big into mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And it's it's exactly how you say, right? Like you, you start, um, like, you know, I just did a 58 mile mountain bike race and you start and you're fresh and it feels good right and then mm -hmm. after 30 miles everything is starting to hurt you know like your mm -hmm. lower back and your neck everything gets tight and like how do you push another 30 miles right mm -hmm. so you know for me part of it i think is you know just the experience like to expose yourself to these mm -hmm. experiences and to to choose to choose these experiences and uh -huh. to be like I, you know, I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine and she was like, are you excited for your bike race? And I'm like, I'm not really. And she's like, why mm -hmm. are you doing it then? And I said, because I love the challenge and I love yeah, to push exactly. my body, you know, and I really, and I, you know, I can see that with you as well. Like, you know, you learn these skills in sports and I still learn them and I still, you know, expose myself to them. And then it's very different when you're going into the business, right. And you are like mm -hmm. building a business and you, you know, you want to, to help people you know one of the things that i love that you're saying is that we need to stop looking at the struggle as something negative can you tell us a little bit more about that and what you learned in the process yeah i mean the, the struggle is that's that's where the fruit is i mean that's we we grow mm -hmm. as a result of the struggle it's it's rare that we just grow from when things are convenient when things are comfortable when things are exactly how we want them to be when we have those settings and those conditions, we pretty much level out. We stay where we are. There's no challenge. Just like you said, with the bike race. And I completely mm -hmm. understand where you're coming from. I There's been, been plenty of things I've done physically that I don't per se, enjoy per se. You know, not that I don't enjoy while doing it, but as far as the anticipation of it, I'm like, I'm not excited or hype about it, <laughs> but I am looking forward to having the fulfillment on the other side of that activity. Because I know that I challenged myself, I pushed mm -hmm. myself, and I grew as a result of that challenge. And I tell people all the time that I don't pursue happiness. It's not a part of my equation in success, you know, as far as having successful business or in life, love, or anything. Happiness is not a part of my equation, but fulfillment is. You know, I don't enjoy waking up at five to work out, but I'm fulfilled by it. I'm not happy about doing that, but it fulfills me. So that's why I do it again and again and again, because I know what it's doing for me. And so I completely relate to what you said. And for me, it's, it's all about the struggle. Like if I don't feel a struggle, I must not be getting the best out of myself. When I feel that struggle, I know I'm giving my best. I know I'm doing something to bring the best out of me. And I know after that struggle, I'm going to level up at least this much. And if I dare that myself to do that over and over, I'm going to be here at the end of the day. So that struggle, that's what people avoid, but that's exactly what you need to pursue. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that so much. Yeah. It's that shift in mindset of like the struggle is actually a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's, that's what the strength is. And, and that's just really what it's all about.
Mm -hmm. Do you have a specific experience in mind that taught you that in your life? You know, that you that you correlated that you maybe correlated back to either something that you experienced becoming a professional athlete or maybe even, you know, you were talking a little bit about how you were growing up, but even like later in your life. Well, I would say when I was 17 years old. So that's when I, I to date had the, the biggest struggle I've ever had. And that was my, my I lost tragically lost my older brother and um, out of the blue, tragic incident happened and. I'm like, whoa, how do I deal with, how do I continue to move forward? How do I live on, you know, and he's not here anymore. So that was a huge struggle for me. I shut down again, 17 years old. I've been through things earlier in life, but never been through that, you know? Mm -hmm. So seeing that is exactly what taught me how to succeed beyond that point. I'll be honest with you. I made some promises to him, you know, him fr from the grave, him being in the grave. I'm like, I'm, I promise you, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Things that he would tell me when he was alive, like, hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. And I wasn't doing them. Once he passed, you know, I said, I'm going to do these things. And amidst the struggle, I was able to find that strength by giving myself, setting some goals for myself, using what happened to him as, as fuel, you know, uh, saying, okay, for him, I'm going to do this. For him, I'm going to do that. And it became a driving force, even from his death. His death became a driving force for me. So I was able to literally extract fuel from even death. You know, so I learned throughout life, even when bad things happen, you have the ability to, this is a method I came up with, and I wrote a book about, I, I'll mention that some more, but the, the The book that I wrote about and what I speak about often is called filtering. So some years ago, I began to filter everything that I, I go through, everything. So my brother's death, right? He that that happened and I had to find some way to get something from it. I'm like, because all I'm focusing on right now was just the negative of it. It's a negative situation for sure. But I'm like, everything has to happen for a reason. What can I get from this that can actually be a positive? And those promises I began making for them led to goals for me. And it also led to me being distracted to not think on the negative side anymore. And I just started succeeding left and right at so many things by filtering that moment and extracting an amazing fueling force from it. Mm. It, it was, uh, you know, obviously to this day, still wish it never happened. But, you know, life happens and I'm glad that I was able to look at it from a different perspective and get something from it. Yeah. And that change in perspective is so important. I actually just talked to a client yesterday, um, which really makes me think of that as well, because, you know, one of the mindsets that we were trying to work on with her was to uh, not see everything as hard. She's like, everything in my life was always hard. My work is mm -hmm. hard. My life is hard. Like, you know, like my, my health, I, I'm experiencing all these health challenges and, and we were like looking into that, you know, we were talking about why is it hard and, you know, mm. like, where does that come from? Where does that mindset come from? And one of the most powerful, I think, shifts we had yesterday was when we were talking about how to perceive that what is hard as an opportunity to be better, you know, 
Yeah. And to to use that challenge to, yeah, I, I think about that all the time. And again, I you know I relate it back to sports as well because I'm so passionate about it. But mm. it's you know I do a lot of yoga as well, mm. and oftentimes um, when we are in like difficult poses, our teacher would say, "It's great that you're you know struggling. It's great that you're shivering, mm. or like when you're right. falling out of balance. It's great that you're right. doing that because every time." you're falling every time you struggle you're actually becoming stronger um and it's resonated so strongly with me and you know again i I think it's so beautiful to be able to take what you learn in different areas of your life and apply that into others right apply it into the business Mm -hmm. sense apply it into maybe difficult um, conversations or relationships that you have with people in order to uh, learn and grow from that as well I agree completely. I I tell people all the time, there's so many camouflage opportunities right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes me think of a quote by a guy named Charles Udall from some years ago. And he said, uh, in life, we will go through a series of God-ordained opportunities brilliantly disguised as problems and challenges. And Mm -hmm. when I think on things like that, I'm like, wow, it's it's so true because so many things may appear to be a, a, a problem on the surface. But when you look beneath the surface, that's when you see different vantage points. You, you, you start to take, you know, an objective view at, at different things. And um, it's, you just really get from that situation exactly what you were supposed to get from it, as opposed to just looking at it and living on the surface of it. Yeah. And then thinking and then, you know, I think almost becoming the victim as well and being like, oh, my life is so hard and I Mm. always have these problems. Right. Like, I think we know we all know these people (laughs) that that we have conversations like that. Right. Um, Yeah. So so you already mentioned your book. It's called Filtering. It's called Filtering. Yeah. Uh, Filtering. The subtitle is The Way to Extract Strength from the Struggle. So it's funny that you brought up struggle. I mean, right. So, I mean, that's literally what the book is about as far mm-hmm. as embracing the struggle, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, it, the book isn't out yet. We'll be releasing it in September. Um, right. But it, it's going to, I truly believe it's going to be an amazing read for a lot of people. A ton of, you know, a very imp- impactful book for, for people uh, that reads it. And that's, that's my goal is to really help people by way of my experiences as, mm-hmm. you know, I've realized and I'm realizing it more now that so much of what I've gone through in my life wasn't for me. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I've gone through it for other people to, to help other people. And my experiences have made me so selfless. Now with this perspective that I have, I'm like, okay, what I go through, just like you said, don't be such a victim about it. Mm-hmm. Now realize you can help somebody else by way of what you've gone through, the pain that you felt, uh, whether it be a physical or emotional pain. Okay, I got injured here. Okay, now you can help somebody not be injured in that same way. It's just mm-hmm. taking myself out of my own situation now. Um, it's, it feels good just to know, okay, I don't have to complain about everything. You know, I can now filter that situation and say, okay, how can I help somebody else with it? Or how can I help myself in the future to avoid that same thing? Mm-hmm. And is the book, uh, you think, is it more an autobiography? Is it a self-help book? Like, will people be able to find, like, tools and strategies on how to apply that in their own lives? In a major way, self-help, definitely. There's memoir mm-hmm. as well uh, in there because, again, I, I talk about and tackle my, my, my upbringing. You know, some of the things I mentioned earlier as far as growing up in the conditions that I grew up in, 
but at the same time, providing tools of how I o- overcame those, those circumstances. And those tools are going to be the most helpful part uh, in the book for, for the readers, because it's just, we all go through life, right? Like we've, we all go through our own situations. And even if they don't mirror my situation or your situation to exactly, the principles are all the same. You know, they, they all lead to the same tears that come out of our eyes. So if we can just learn how to persevere, how to overcome different obstacles and how to gain foresight. That's a big thing that I'm on uh, that, that I love to teach how to how to gain foresight uh, as opposed to always waiting on hindsight to reveal the answers to mm-hmm. us. So that's one that's a huge part of the book that I tackle for people just to really be ahead of the curve a little bit and just really leaning into what you've been through so that I can help you in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Super cool. And do you, can, can people pre-purchase it on Amazon or something? Yeah. So the goal is next week. Um, so it's what Great. 23rd of June today. So next week pre-orders will be available uh, on my website. And um, so joelbgreen.com. And uh, so beyond that, you know, once we release, absolutely, they'll be on the Barnes and Nobles and Amazon.com. But pre-orders will be available as of next week. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really excited to get it out there. It's, it's people that behind the scenes know about it and is, is, super, is really super excited about pushing it out there and marketing it. Um, and I'm super excited myself. I'm just being as patient as I possibly can <laughs> to release it. Uh, we have some other great things in the works. Um, to help promote the book, a really cool trailer that's being created, um, a 3D trailer to be to be exact. So uh-huh. it, it's, it's going to be a, a fun time to release this book. And I'm just excited to impact people, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I was just thinking about that I'm still curious about to learn more, like I, I'm kind of putting myself back in the 90s, you know, and I'm seeing you like grow up in maybe difficult neighborhoods, like Was there someone in your life that helped you become who you are today? Like, how did that shape, like, how, you know, did you choose to, like, you know, go into basketball and or like all the different, you know, athletic things that you were pursuing? What Was there someone specific in your life that kind of pushed you to do that? Like, did you maybe a coach or a mentor or maybe a parent or brother, right? Um, who, who do you think of that, like, maybe had a significant impact on who you are today? Uh, I, honestly, it, it was a, it was a family affair. It, it, my my entire family, and I mean it too. It, I don't want to sound corny or cliche, but it was it was a group effort. It really was. I'm the youngest okay. of four kids, so I was able to monitor everybody else. Right, I was the last one to leave the house. I saw how each other sibling left the house. I was able to, you know, see how they got in trouble, so I can avoid getting in trouble. Like I saw <laughs> these things, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, so both my parents fortunately were, you know, around the entire time. And it was, they, they all helped me and encouraged me. They all wanted me to win. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, both of my brothers, as an example, they, you know, let's say if they got in trouble in a certain way, they made sure I did not get in trouble in that same way. They coached me, they would preach to me and, just, and talk my head off just to make sure I didn't get in trouble, just to make sure I was the one that made it and all these things. So it was, a, it was a, you know, a very encouraging house household, despite what we were going through, you know, as far as living in environments that we lived in, we always had each other's backs still do. And um, it was a group effort. So I would say my entire family um, helped me to become who I I'm still becoming. 
and mm-hmm. uh, achieve the different things. If I was going through anything and struggling, that's who I called. I called my family and they, they talked me through it and kept me involved in whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so tell us a little bit more, um, maybe to, to finish off today about the um, Nike pro trainings. So you mm-hmm. said you're starting next week, I think, like the summer camps are starting. Exactly. So we actually just began our camps last week, but we get into about 90% of our camps next week. And okay. uh, so come next week, you know, we'll have uh, all of our Nike sports camps around the country. We have, you know, my company, Pro Level Training, we're partners with Nike sports camps. And that's okay. how I became a national director for Nike. And, okay. you know, we're, we're literally just gearing up with the, the five sports that we cover, volleyball, basketball, soccer, multi-sport and track and field. So we, we, we do a lot and just really doing our best to teach these kids all around the country how to be, you know, how to be an athlete, how to play their sport at a high level and enjoy it at the same time and just to ch- challenge themselves because I tell kids all the time, do not count on me to be your greatest. You know, like I'm going to give you the tools, I'm going to show you, but I'm not going to be with you on the court or on the field. You have to count on yourself. And you have to really train to where you can rely on yourself, have confidence in yourself. Don't don't rely on me, you know, outside of our training. You know, once you leave me, I need you to rely on yourself. And that's what we teach the kids to have that, that level of self-reliance so that they can execute on their own on the court. Very cool. How long are the trainings or the camps? Uh, the camps are this six hours. So we, we, we uh, have from Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., Uh, some of the camps we, give, we do a half day for the kids on Friday, nine to 12. It's a whole lot of fun. Um, again, Thank we're in a, in all over the country with our, our Nike sports camps, every sport for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Even if I, my company doesn't manage it, <clears throat> we still, as a whole, Nike sports camps cover about 16 different sports, if not more than that. Um, so it, it's, it's a, a ton of fun. I'm a kid when, I, when I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a big kid. So I have a lot of fun with it. My son, he's nine years old. He's looking forward to the camps. So um, it, it's always a great time. And it's that time to where so cool. you get to improve. You get to improve as, a, as an athlete. Yeah. And then how long are they going through that? I assume it's like for a few weeks or something. Well, each camp lasts for, for one week. But yeah, you have kids okay. that signs up for multiple weeks. I mean, you know, I'll oh, be wow. on site doing about five to six weeks. And I will see the same kid a few different times because they just enjoy the huh. camp that much. Uh, yeah. The parents and the kids see the results from the camp. So they keep coming back. Um, mm-hmm. And we have them for boys, for girls. You know, we have them even for as young as five years old now. We Recently, we have a wow. camp called Intro to Hoops from five to eight years old. So we're trying our best just to, you know, cover everyone for every age group to really help them develop a love for the game that they play. And Mm -hmm. that's truly what it's all about, having a love for it. Yeah. Do you have a specific age that you enjoy training with the most? I would say that 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 10-year-old age group, um, Mm -hmm. you see the most change because by that time, Mm -hmm. they know at least how to push themselves, but only like this much, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know how to really extend that push. You know, when they, at that age, when they feel fatigued, they want to stop and they do stop. That's when I enjoy showing them ways to keep going, like take one more step, 
when you feel like stopping, it's the perfect opportunity to just do, do that thing one more time. Do it mm-hmm. one more time. And once they get used to that one more time, all right, let's do it one more time. You know, again, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's, that's when they, they even start to realize that, okay, I have more in me than I thought. And mm-hmm. the reason why I love that 10-year-old age group is because by the time, let's say they're 15 or 16, I really see a dramatic change in them if they stay with Interesting. it. And yeah. it's, it's as opposed to working with a pro, it's different. A pro already has it. They, they have the tools. They just need to help me refine what they already have. But a 10-year-old, you see the dramatic shift in their game, a dramatic change in their attitude and their mentality. I love it. I love the change that I witnessed. I, I can imagine. It must be so satisfying and rewarding to see that. With oh, yeah, it's extremely. I mean, it, like I mentioned, fulfillment, that's it's one of the most fulfilling things I've ever mm-hmm. experienced in my life. Just seeing the growth of these kids and have them now reach out to me with them being in college now. And I work with mm-hmm. them at 10 years old. They say, hey, I just wanted to give you, show you some random love. And I'm like, wow. Because, again, I, I do what I do and I move on a lot of times. So I don't really realize my impact on, on others. I stay focused. And it's not until they reach out to me, I'm like, wow, I had no clue. And I just thank them so much for letting me know that because, well, it sure. makes, look, it makes me feel good. I'll be honest with you. Of course. Yeah. So cool. And, you know, that message that, you, you know, you were saying just one more rep, right? Or like just mm-hmm. one more time, like, is that kind of the message that you're repeating for yourself as well? Or is there like some other, other things, some other like positive affirmations yeah. or mantras that you're repeating to yourself to kind of keep on going when you are experiencing mm-hmm. a challenging situation? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, absolutely. Like one more is a big one for me. I learned that from my college coach. We, we, uh, I, I won a national championship uh, in, in college. I won two, but one year in particular, you know, my coach, that was his slogan. One more. We'll be in a weight room finishing. He said, all right, guys, you got 10 reps of this. We're, we're on our 10th rep. We bang it out. I don't, I don't know where you're here. One more. He just yells it. We're like, ah, all right. One more. One more. I'm talking about that one more. <clears throat> that one more would turn into five more. And <laughs> the beauty of that one more was that You thought you had enough for 10. You gave it all for 10, but you didn't realize you had 11 in you. You didn't realize you had 12 in you. He got the absolute best out of us until we tapped out. And he taught us what it was like to go until failure. And that was a beautiful thing because he taught us what thresholds look like. I actually reached my threshold. And a lot of people don't challenge themselves to reach their threshold because it's uncomfortable. And to actually tap into the second wind, You mentioned earlier riding all those miles and I know how it feels to not, you know, as far as on the running side for me, there's a conversation that takes place inside of you. Like I want to stop, you know, right. You, you know, the thought, you know, the conversation, <laughs> right. So it was like, <laughs> you know, the conversation. Well, I, I, I could, I could tell. So it was like, after you ruined 30 miles already, like, okay, my back is hurting my leg, my, my thighs feel heavy, things like that. You want to stop, but there's something that just you will yourself to tap into the second win. And that second, mm-hmm. that's where the magic is. It's that mm-hmm. second win. The magic isn't in the first part when you're fresh, but when you challenge yourself to tap into that other side of the first initial effort and energy that you have, you really love yourself for that, that second part of it. 
Yeah. And I think that's also how you gain confidence about yourself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You were talking exactly. about like, you know, confidence and how it's mm -hmm. important, especially for kids as well, right? To, exactly. to gain confidence and to embrace themselves. Because I think like growing up is hard, right? We all know it. Yeah. We've all been there and, you know, kids are super honest and um, can, right. be, can be rough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think it's, it's good to gain that confidence. And I, I love, yeah, I love seeing people and like kids from, from the small age go through these experiences because I think it really shapes them to be such a powerful human being. Big time. I, I, I'm, I love the developmental age. That's, you know, people have mm -hmm. asked me all the time, Hey, why, why don't you work with more pros and this and that? And I, yeah. I have the few that I work with, but I don't want, I've turned down some opportunities to work with different players. And I, I love the developmental side. It, the impact is much greater and you see it like this. And mm -hmm. especially, you know, now having a, a child myself, I realize exactly what you said, just how important it is, you know, with their honesty, with their transparency, you know, that's a, that's a great, it's a door open with that, with them being so transparent at that age, that's a huge open door that mm -hmm. if you step right in, in the right way, you can catch it and say, okay, let me keep this door open. Let's continue to talk. Let's be transparent with each other. Let's build on that confidence that you may be lacking right now. And that will carry through the entire lives. So I love that this age group for that reason, because you see, you, you can literally change a life within like mm -hmm. one year, you know, within mm -hmm. one interaction, to be honest with you. When I go and I speak at a school, I've had kids hit me up on, on Instagram, say, thank you so much. I was a part of the webinar that you did, you know, mm -hmm. virtually just things. like. I love hearing that because I'm like, I caught them at the right time. So yeah, yeah. It, it's, I love the shaping the shaping age is, is really yeah. important for me to, to tackle. How do you, I have, sorry, I have one more question. Um, mm -hmm. How do you, when you, you know, I'm thinking more about the business context now and a lot of people, you know, that are listening to my podcast are people that are in corporate and they work, you know, with, in the business sense, lots with like, you know, tech, tech employees. And mm -hmm. how do you, have these challenging conversations or how do you influence people more on an adult level right i feel like mm -hmm. kids can sometimes be so much easier to shape because they are curious and they're very transparent but then i feel like you know when you when you become older you're not as maybe transparent anymore right and you're not as open um how do you how do you manage situations when they get difficult when when you are more managing mm -hmm like adults or yeah. I mean, so that, that's a great, amazing question because for me on the sports side, I work with the youth on the business side. I'm, it's all adults for me. You know, mm -hmm. I, when I go speak at different organizations, things like that, it's all adults. And I love mm -hmm. that side of the impact too. But what I try to do is I, I'll be honest. I link the two of what I do, right? So I'm a speaker mm -hmm. on this side with the adults. I'm a trainer on this side and a coach for youth, but I bring the two together and I give, I try my best to help the adults remember different attributes mm -hmm. they had as a youth, right? Mm -hmm. To be more transparent again, to exercise that mm -hmm. imagination that they used to have. And that's a huge mm -hmm. thing for me. When I'm talking to different adults, I bring up imagination often because it's lost, you know, because society, mm -hmm. because failures, because all these things, you stop believing in yourself and you stop mm -hmm. believing in that imagination that you once had because you start to think things are impossible now. And you had greater imagination when you believed that nothing was impossible, right? So I try to do my best to help adults tap back into that nothing is impossible type of mindset 
and realize that if you dare yourself to now use that imagination that you had as a kid, but now have the knowledge and the resources that you have as an adult, you can do amazing things. Mm-hmm. But so many of us only have the resources, only have the education and the knowledge, but we lack the imagination. So we don't really maximize all that we have. So I try to tie the two together when I'm talking to adults and, you know, I give them these three steps that I've provided to a lot of, a ton of adults over the years um, to just really help them to honestly, to do anything they desire to do in life or in business. And it's just, it starts with the first step is childlike imagination. And the second step is to need your wants. The third step is to focus on the journey. And I break everything down for them, for their company. And um, it's, it's an impactful talk, very helpful talk for the company and for the employees, things of that sort. And um, I I love impacting the adult audience as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was really interesting. Um, I'm really glad that we had you on the show. How can people connect with you or sign up for their kids for a training camp if they're interested? Well, there's a few different ways. So uh, I'm on social media often. Uh, Instagram, I'm on there, you know, quite a bit now. So you can reach me uh, at jgreenplt. Uh, that's J-A-Y, green, P-L-T. That's me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can go by way of my website, joelbgreen.com, you know, for speaking and things of that sort. But for our Nike camps, you can look, you can Google Joel Green, Nike, things like that, or go to my website, my company's page, ProLevelTraining.com, and you'll see all of our camps all around the country. Amazing. When are you going to come to California? I want to come to California. ASAP. <laughs> I have some family over there. And, uh, you know, that's, it's, a, it's a must, you know, play, it's a must to, you know, to be back there. I, I love California, just different areas. Um, so I'll be there soon. You, you hold me that's to awesome. it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll hold you to it because I was looking at the website and I was um, seeing all the different states that you're at and I'm like, they're not in California. I know, it's, it's, <laughs> they it's come. so much. So it, will, it will happen soon, mark my words. Amazing, okay, very cool. Well, let me know when you are. Well, everyone, um, I think this was an incredible reminder that we uh, need to uh, not always you know, um, think about the struggles as a negative thing, but that we can really embrace them as something so beautiful to help us grow and become so much stronger and so much confident that we are already are. So thank you so much for listening today. And I hope to hear you in the next podcast.